We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Preborn. When a mother meets her baby on an ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection. And the majority of the time, she will choose life. But she can't do it without our help. Preborn needs us, the pro-life community, to come alongside her. One ultrasound is just $28. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or visit preborn.com. Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. The U.S. Constitution obligates our government to preserve and protect the rights that our founders recognize come from God, our creator, not our government. I believe that scripture in the Bible is very clear that God is the one that raised up each of you and God has allowed us to be brought here to this specific moment in time. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Well, good morning. Good morning. It is a great Monday morning and a lot of uh, headlines to get to this morning. And we are going to address quite a few things, um, including the breaking news from last night, which is that Tim Scott, Senator Tim Scott, has suspended his presidential campaign late last night. And according to some reports, did not even uh, tell his staff until the announcement. Um, It was a kind of a surprise statement. So uh, the South Carolina Republican made the announcement during an interview with Fox News's Trey Gowdy, who had previously represented uh, Scott's home state in Congress as well. And Tim Scott said, uh, quote, I love America more today than I did on May 22nd. But when I go back to Iowa, it will not be as a presidential candidate. I'm suspending my campaign. I think voters who are the most remarkable people on the planet, (laughs) I think that would include all of us, though, uh, all Americans at least, have been really clear that they're telling me not now, Tim. I don't think they're saying, Trey, no. But I do think they're saying not now. So um, last week, following Wednesday's debate, um, I had said that, you know, Tim Scott and Chris Christie were kind of just the decorations um, up on the stage and and were taking up a lot of time. Um, Not that what they were saying wasn't... um, interesting or you know maybe in a in a news hit like with Trey Gowdy on Fox News um, worthwhile to say but really I think a lot of us um, who have followed this the 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 primary pretty closely um, really know that while Trump according to the polls is the front runner really this is going to come down to a two-man race um, which will be uh, Trump and DeSantis so um, so you know it, it looks like to me that Tim Scott just held on so that he could participate in Wednesday's debate and uh, really took time from uh, the other candidates. But uh, he has now stepped down and we will continue to follow the primary. And moving on now to the first topic is that House Speaker Mike Johnson has announced a spending plan to prevent a government shutdown Uh, Mike Johnson announced a two-step short-term spending measure to avoid a government shutdown. The plan reportedly, according to Daily Wire, would give certain federal agencies money through the middle of January, while others would get funds through early February, allowing lawmakers in the House and Senate more time to hash out longer-term spending legislation. The deadline is November 17th, so just later this week. Johnson also noted that separating the continuing resolution from supplemental funding debates, such as the one 
one related to funding to Israel puts the GOP in a stronger position, quote, to fight for fiscal responsibility, oversight over Ukraine aid and meaningful policy changes at our southern border. So a lot can be said uh, for Mike Johnson and his speakership. Um, All listeners know that he's been a personal friend of mine for years. Um, I supported him even back when Kevin McCarthy was running for speaker. And uh, I thought that he should have run. And I'm really grateful to see him in this position. Um, But one of the criticisms, and I'm going to welcome my next guest in um, on this topic, our good friend uh, Mike Davis, who is an attorney and um, the head of uh, the Article 3 project. Um, really the criticism right now of Mike Johnson from some conservatives, and, and, and I, I would like to have Mike Johnson on. I actually talked to him last night um, for a little bit, and um, he's planning on coming on later this week, and I want to ask him the question of why he has said that there is insufficient evidence now moving forward to uh, for Joe Biden's impeachment. And so this was Mike Johnson um, just the other day when he was talking about following the truth where it leads. This is cut one. I believe this is a very serious matter. I, I was called upon to serve on the impeachment defense team in the House twice under President Trump when the Democrats used it for raw partisan political purposes, and I decried that at each uh, step of the way. The reason is because the impeachment power that we have in the Constitution, in the House specifically, next to a declaration of war, you could argue it's the most, it's the heaviest power that we have, and it cannot be wielded for political purposes. So I have been very consistent intellectually consistent in this and 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 uh, and persistent that we have to follow due process and we have to follow the law that means following our obligation under the constitution and and doing appropriate investigations in the right way at the right pace so that the evidence comes in and we follow the evidence where it leads we follow the truth where it leads so as we stand here today I'm not predetermined that but I do believe that very soon we are coming to a point of decision on it All right. So uh, Mike Davis, who is a a former law clerk to Justice Gorsuch and uh, chief counsel for nominations in the Senate Judiciary under Chairman Chuck Grassley. uh, What do you make of this? Because it it does seem well. Well, Mike Johnson and Speaker Johnson is saying he's been intellectually consistent. And I, I give him that. He was, prior to his speakership, a lot more robustly uh, advocating, even on this program, for impeachment of Biden, specifically on bribery that is in the constitutional text. Now it seems like he's kind of backing off. What do you make of this? So I'm a big fan of Speaker Mike Johnson. I think he is the right man for the time. Uh, He inherited a mess uh, with the budget process. And he has a very, very narrow House majority that he needs to keep together. So I'm willing to give Mike Johnson some running room here to 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 get started, to get moving, as long as we can see that he's uh, he's moving in the right direction every day with uh, cutting discretionary spending back to pre-COVID levels, ending the politicized and weaponized federal government, particularly particularly the Justice Department and the FBI, so long as he's, as he's moving towards appropriations riders to, uh, to defund the left's madness, the gender chaos uh, in schools, the, you know, the gender-affirming care, which means pills and surgeries for, for kids and prisoners. As long as Speaker Mike Johnson is moving in that direction, I think that we should give him some breathing room. 
because he just started on this job and he inherited a mess. And I think we all understand he, that he is with us. And I'm glad to hear you say that, Mike Davis, because I, I completely agree. And while I would love to see an impeachment of Joe Biden, because I think it's it's deserved based on the evidence. And there is um, a lot of evidence of specifically bribery, which is in the text of the Constitution. There is a difference between uh, being on the Judiciary Committee and being a member of Congress versus being the speaker and having to lead a very slim majority and a coalition. I mean, this is where a, a lot of Republicans um, attacked Kevin McCarthy for some of the concessions that, you know, just frankly, if he had a supermajority, he wouldn't have had to make. And I think that Mike Johnson is making a calculated decision that even if there were impeachment articles filed, that would become so dominant in Washington and really, I don't think, would, would go anywhere in the Senate. And so why would the House, with a very slim majority, politically posture when they know that it's not going to go anywhere in the Senate? Um, would that just be really a, a kind of tit for tat because of the two Trump impeachments or just because they can? Um, he has also said, Mike Johnson, Speaker Johnson, that uh, the power of impeachment next to or, or right after a declaration of war is probably the single greatest power that is delegated by the Constitution uh, to Congress. And so I, I think this is a a good decision, at least right now, when there are so many other things that they have to focus on? Well, you know, I would actually lean in more on impeachment, Jenna, because I actually think that it's the House's, like you said, one of its utmost constitutional duties. And we have a president of the United States that is almost certainly compromised by tens of millions of dollars and foreign bribes and other corruption from China, from Russia, from Ukraine, from Kazakhstan. It seems like every hellhole and trouble spot around the world, Biden was on the take and his family was on the take. It seems like every Biden uh, was uh, was part of this bribery scheme, except for the five-year-old granddaughter, who they finally acknowledged after five years of political criticism. So I I do think that the House Republicans, if there's impeachable conduct, they need to move forward. They need to, to expose that. They need to have a, a P, impeachment hearings, and they do need to move forward with an impeachment vote and impeach Biden. And then it's going to be up to the Senate to try to cover up for Joe Biden. Uh, but, you know, I think that this is bigger than a tit for tat with Trump just because, again, uh, these this this corruption by Biden has very dangerous consequences. There is no chance that we would be in a, uh, in a proxy war with Russia and spent a hundred billion dollars in Ukraine, but for the facts that Joe Biden is a crook. When Obama put then Vice President Biden in charge of Ukraine, Biden and his family went on the take, and Russia, Putin. Uh, smelled Biden's corruption, smelled his weakness, and took Crimea. We had four years of peace and prosperity under Trump. Now Biden's back, and Putin wants to take the rest of Ukraine. I mean, this bribery, this corruption has very dangerous consequences, very costly consequences for the United States. On the other hand, if you don't have the votes to move forward with impeachment, you either have to build those votes through a very thorough investigation, and it looks like Mike Johnson has unleashed these committee chairmen, at least 
as it relates to the subpoenas of, of the Bidens by House Oversight Committee James Comer, uh, and then try to build that political case. But at the end of the day, uh, impeachment is a political process. That's right in the Federalist Papers. And so you have to build the political support for impeachment. If you have the political support, you can move forward. If you don't have the political support, you don't have the votes. And Speaker Johnson is saying they will follow the truth where it leads. And he's he is simply not making impeachment the only priority because he has a lot to focus on. And so what do you make uh, Mike Davis, who's the founder of the Article three project and my guest this morning? uh, What do you make of the the criticism of Mike Johnson from a lot of the um, the the really far right base that is suggesting that, you know, he's now failing in his speakership just because he's he's saying we have a lot of other priorities. And he's not saying that they're not going to get the votes for impeachment. Um, He's just he's just saying we we're not there yet. And it seems like to me that Republicans are just never satisfied with any leadership. And and we're so quick. Um, the base is so quick to criticize everyone if they don't just come out, you know, swinging for everything right away, at, rather than being calculated and actually leading. Well, I would say I'm part of that very far right base. Uh, but I would also say to uh, my fellow travelers that Speaker Mike Johnson is a good guy. He's a rock-solid conservative. He is one of us. Let's give him some running room. I think the problem with Speaker McCarthy is that there wasn't a lot of trust uh, with with Speaker McCarthy and the, and the conservative uh, base of the, of the Republican Party. With Mike Johnson, we have that trust. Let's give him Let's give him a couple months here to get his, uh, you know, to get his feet on the ground and get running here. And I, I think that he's going to deliver and deliver very effectively for conservatives. But uh, you know, let yeah, let, and and let I would him some time. Absolutely. And and I would agree with that. And for um, for listeners of this show who, who know that, um, you know, Mike Johnson has been a friend of, of AFR and who knows his history as a rock solid Christian and even just seeing all of the uh, the mainstream in terms of the um, the the absolute hate and coming after him as a Christian and trying to undermine him because he isn't a nationally recognized figure or wasn't um, really by by people outside of really uh, the the political uh, mainstream and and those of us who pay attention to politics um, so closely. And so they're trying to paint him as this extremist. And I think that we need to have his back. And it's incumbent upon us as Christians, not just to pray for him, and we should be praying for him, whether it's him or McCarthy or anyone else in the speakership. We are called by God to pray for our leaders. But we as Christian conservatives should also, um, I think as Mike Davis admonishes, give him some running room and just wait and see and give him a little bit of time to be in the speaker role and kind of get his feet wet and see what he does in terms of leading the Republican Party. So we're going to be right back with more with our guest, Mike Davis, right after this on Jenna Ellis in the morning. Leisha had found herself in an unplanned pregnancy and wasn't sure what to do. She searched for pregnancy services and found a preborn network clinic where she was counseled, supported, and offered a free ultrasound. After seeing her baby and hearing the heartbeat, she cried. 
She was certain she would keep her baby forever. Leisha gave birth to a baby girl who is smart, beautiful, and full of life. Often, she visits that same clinic and receives free clothes, diapers, and more. Because of your generous support, Preborn writes 200 stories just like these every day. $28 can be the difference between the life and death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection and doubles a baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers in crisis choose life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All gifts are tax deductible and 100% of your donation goes towards saving babies. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back, and I'm continuing to talk with my guest, uh, my good friend, Mike Davis, who is an attorney, actually out of my former home state of Colorado, and also the founder of the Article 3 Project that fights for the rule of law and supports constitutionalist judges, uh, fights the weaponization of government and the radical assaults on judicial independence, and you can find them at Article 3, the number 3, article3project.org. And speaking of constitutionalist judges, and judicial independence. Uh, Mike, Representative Elise Stefanik last week filed an ethics complaint against the judge in New York in uh, former President Trump's civil fraud trial. And I was very happy to see this, uh, frankly, because she filed a judicial ethics complaint against the judge presiding over the New York civil fraud uh, case, accusing that judge of, quote, weaponized lawfare against the former president, calling on the judge to recuse himself and uh, suggesting that and, and really charging that this judge has exhibited a clear judicial bias against uh, President Trump and uh, and his attorneys as well. So uh, what do you make of this complaint? I mean, I'm not really that hopeful that it's going to go anywhere, given that it's New York, but I was actually glad to see someone in the GOP uh, actually file a complaint like this. I think we need more of this. Yeah, cheers to New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, who is the House Republican Conference chair, the number four leader in the House of Representatives, We see a lot of people go on Twitter and pretend to complain about this Democrat weaponization of our legal system against Trump, Trump's aides, Trump supporters, Christians praying outside of abortion clinics, parents outraged by gender chaos and the resulting rapes in high school bathrooms. Uh, But we don't see a lot of these members of Congress doing anything about it. So I really want to commend Congressman Elise Stefanik for filing this judicial ethics complaint against Judge Ingeron in New York, who is clearly a partisan clown and is railroading President Trump. You see Judge Ingeron's law clerk making political contributions over the legal limits in New York, and when Trump's attorneys raised this issue with Judge Judge Ingeron, he imposed an illegal, unconstitutional gag order on President Trump and his team. This is right out of the playbook of a third-world Marxist hellhole dictator. This is unacceptable, and even if you like or don't like President Trump, 
this is uh, these these tactics, this lawfare against conservatives. These are republic ending tactics, and these need to stop. These must stop. Everyone uh, in America has a First Amendment right. That is particularly true of criminal defendants. Their First Amendment right to criticize the prosecutor, the judge, the court staff, and the process, especially when that criminal defendant believes they are being railroaded through a politicized and weaponized criminal process. And, uh, you know, you hear a lot of people say, well, he's, he's obstructing justice by criticizing the judge. No, he's not. If, if President Trump were obstructing justice by criticizing the judge or the, the prosecutor or the staff or the process, charge him with obstruction of justice, right? You, but you don't impose and illegal prior restraints on his First Amendment rights through these uh, unprecedented gag orders that Democrat judges started imposing on conservatives during the Trump era. So I'm very happy that Elise Stefanik filed this complaint and is actually doing something about this and punching back. And we need to see more of this by conservatives all over the country. We have allowed President Biden and his Justice Department to steamroll Americans and our constitutional rights for nearly three years. They're working with their corrupt Democrat prosecutors around the country, like in New York, like in Atlanta. I know you can't talk about this, Jenna, but I can. And it's just unacceptable that we have allowed our country to get to this point, and it needs to stop. Well, I mean, I couldn't agree more that that we need to hold the judicial branch accountable. I mean, this is why you have... Uh, the code of judicial ethics that that governs judges and this process should not be political when you step into a courtroom that should by definition not be political and when you have this uh, this bias that is so clearly displayed from the bench and from the judge's staff then it is as you've said uh, the right of um, a civil defendant and a criminal defendant to to push back and to to uh, have their attorneys call for recusal of the judge or to um, use the court of public opinion to air their grievances as well and, and also have um, the, the right to petition the government for redress and also defend yourself in a court of law. I mean, we're talking about all of the First Amendment constitutionally protected rights, but due process also matters. I mean, the Bill of Rights there are more protections in the Bill of Rights for citizens against their government in the context of being a criminal defendant than any other protections in our Bill of Rights because our founders understood that in that prosecutorial uh, avenue, that could be so easily abused and weaponized against citizens like what we're seeing uh, with with former President Trump in some of these cases that... Um, that th they put those protections in place. And so when you have a member of the judiciary that is clearly not unbiased and isn't acting like, and, and of course, you know, judges have personal opinions, but they need to be able to set those aside. And when you have a judge like this that has clearly displayed this type of bias, then it stands to reason that there should be a, an ethics complaint so that our system can function appropriately. So, the, the political nature of this, though, Mike Davis, is so unfortunate, I think, because New York is obviously very politicized and certainly against President Trump. And so even though I think there's merit to this complaint, will it even go anywhere? 
Probably not, just because the the New York court system is so far gone to left wing Democrats, and this is not our parents or grandparents' Democrat party, as we've talked about. These aren't liberals who love America and just disagree with conservatives on the best way to get there. These are leftists. These are Marxist. They hate America. They hate uh, due process. They believe in politicized and weaponized justice. They they hate free speech. They believe in censorship. They hate equality. They believe in equity. So uh, it's it's going to be a, a brutal process. And here's the consequence of this that New York needs to think about. Sure, they feel like they're getting Trump and they're trying to destroy his business and bankrupt him and throw him in prison in New York. What do they think other business people, job creators, are going to do when they sit back and say, wait a second, if you run a business in New York, if you get if you get if you get your wires crossed with your political opponents who run the political machine in New York, they can bankrupt you and throw you in jail. No thanks. I'll go to Texas or Florida or another state that's more business friendly, and I'll take my jobs there with me. Yeah, and and what would the left's response be if Texas or Florida said you are only allowed to be in business in our state if you are a Republican or if you align with um, the conservative views. I mean, one of the the issues in Florida, uh, actually, that was raised by the legislature that thankfully Governor DeSantis did not support was a suggestion that reporters couldn't criticize uh, the government in Florida, and that was that was a prior restraint on freedom of the press, and that was legislation that was contemplated in the state of Florida, and journalists, even conservative journalists, were very concerned about that, and thankfully that wasn't passed, and and I think we're seeing kind of sometimes an overreaction by some conservatives to how the left is censoring uh, conservatives that that sometimes there is an overreaction to try to overcompensate for that. And we need to remember that state actors and government actors on the state and the federal level uh, should not display any sort of bias based on political viewpoint. And that is especially true for the bench. And so when we look at and we turn to Um, committees like Jim Jordan's Weaponization of Government Committee and looking at potential legislative solutions in in the wake of some of these things, um, is there really any sort of legislative contemplation that could help some of these so overbroad kind of restrictions like what we're seeing in New York, where basically they're saying, you know, hey, if you decide to run as a a Republican or support and champion um, Republican viewpoints or conservative viewpoints, then you're not welcome to do business in our state. Yeah, and this is I actually wrote a Fox News opinion piece on a lot of these issues, Jenna, uh, a couple months ago, and I lay out how Republicans, House Republicans have a very powerful tool. It's called the the power of the purse. And I think that House Republicans need to actually use this during this upcoming appropriations process. And they can do it through what's called appropriations writers. They can add policy writers to these must-pass spending bills saying, we're not going to fund this politicized and weaponized justice system. We're not going to fund this woke craziness. We're not going to fund this discrimination against uh, against conservatives and Christians. We're not going to 
uh, fund this censorship by government. And what the House Republicans can do is say, look, uh, we're not going to have any federal funds used to censor misinformation or disinformation, whatever these Democrats use to, to try to silence their political critics. And if any state or local government does this, they lose all of their federal funding. There needs to be a severe consequence to these uh, to these Democrat politicians around America and even some Republicans, as you said, Jenna, who think it's the government's job to tell us what to think and what to say in the political arena. Yeah, just basic accountability, maybe, and getting back to the rule of law, which has to govern everyone regardless of our political viewpoints and provide the most freedom and liberty within the the constraints of ordered liberty. I mean, you know, these are basic fundamental American values that I think, unfortunately, Mike Davis, um, both sides to an extent, and obviously way more the left, but both sides have gotten away from to an extent rather than saying, you know, the the rule of law needs to govern all Americans. And speaking of accountability, um, in the last five minutes I have with you, I want to make sure that we cover accountability for Arana Romney McDaniel, because um, looking at the shape of America and the last, you know, several elections that have not been, you know, landslide wins for Republicans. Um, somehow now this is infighting, according to the RNC chair, because uh, the concerned constituents that supposedly the RNC represents are suggesting that maybe she's not doing her job and she's now calling that infighting. I'm so tired of hearing that word when Republicans actually want to hold Republicans accountable for doing their job. Oh, well, we're not allowed to do that because that's infighting. Well, how are we ever supposed to win then? Yeah, it, uh, Ron McDaniel has been the RNC chair since 2017, and I'm having a hard time thinking anything that she's accomplished other than helping Repu- uh, helping Democrats win elections and Republicans lose. If you're the RNC chairman, your job is to raise money, and your job is to build the turnout machine. Uh, to, to register voters, to identify those voters, and to make sure that those voters vote, whether it's through early voting, preferably, or on Election Day. Your job is to turn out Republican voters and win elections. And she hasn't done that since she started in 2017. She has managed to lose very winnable elections. And so it's time for her to go. We have several other people who can step up and do that job and do it much better, right? Whether it's uh, someone like Harmeet Dillon or Lee Zeldin or the Florida Republican chairman or the North Carolina Republican chairman, there's no shortage of people who could do that job. And Rana has been doing this job for nearly six years, and she's failed at this job, and it's time for her to go. I saw that she did a media tour with her Friends at CNN and NBC, where they were supporting and defender, essentially, uh, you know, it's that's pretty telling. And why wouldn't they? Because she's helping them. She's helping their side. And, you know, the Democrats are winning elections. And so she goes on all of these leftist mainstream media channels. And of course, they're going to defend her. It's outrageous. Yeah, I mean, I've only done one CNN head. I I do a lot of media, as you know, Jenna. (laughs) I've only done one CNN head. 
Uh, I don't remember getting rose petals on my CNN head. It was a pretty contentious head. <laughs> uh, it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't come to my couch and explain to our viewers why you're a good RNC chair and why we should keep you. Like you said, Jenna, why would NBC and CNN want to keep an RNC chair unless that RNC chair is helping Democrats, right? So it's time for Rhonda to go. It's time for her to uh, step aside. It's time for the for the Republicans to pick a new RNC chair who understands that their job is to win elections. Yes. Well, I am so grateful for uh, your fight, Mike Davis. And in just the last 30 seconds or so I have with you, um, tell us more how we can support the Article 3 project that's actually fighting back against the weaponization of government. I appreciate that. You can donate at article3project.org, article3project.org. Sign up for our email list. Follow us on Getter, Twitter, Truth, at Article Number 3 Project, at Article 3 Project. And my personal social media on Twitter, Getter Truth, is at M-R-D-D-M-I-A, M-R-D-D-M-I-A, my initials in Des Moines, Iowa. If I'm not kicked off Twitter, you can find me there. <laughs> and uh, and I love following you, Mike Davis, and you are one of the best champions for freedom, for the rule of law, for the Constitution, and for truth. Um, so thanks so much, as always, for joining, and we will be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. We want to welcome a new sponsor to American Family Radio, and I hope you give them your full support, and that's Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org. If you're like most of us, you're feeling the strain of rising healthcare costs. Well, good news, Christian Healthcare Ministries may be the answer you're looking for. CHM is an affordable, faith-based option to traditional healthcare that provides members the freedom to choose doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods since they are not insurance. Can you say Freedom. CHM is the longest serving health cost sharing ministry and has been around for over 40 years, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. They are tried and true and have members in all 50 states and around the world and have covered billions in medical bills. Members not only get advantages from the affordability, flexibility, and reliability of CHM, but they also receive access to 24 7 telehealth services at no additional cost. It's no surprise that doctors across the country appreciate working with CHM, and so will you. Make the switch today by visiting chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Well, this week is Operation Christmas Child's National Collection Week. It's this week now through November 20th. So locations and more information are available at SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC for Operation Christmas Child. That's SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. You can pack a shoebox and drop it off during National Collection Week at over 4,500 locations nationwide. And Operation Christmas Child uses a simple shoebox gift as an opportunity to share the love 
of Jesus Christ since 1993. And uh, my home church has participated actually in um, the packing of the shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child um, for as long as I can remember, actually. I mean, it's a wonderful ministry through Samaritan's Purse. And joining me now um, is Zach. And Zach, I'm just going to call you by your first name, if that is okay, because I would not want to even try to guess at the pronunciation <laughs> of your last name. So I will, if it's okay, I'm just going to call you Zach. But you actually were the recipient of an Operation Christmas Child shoebox in Fiji at age nine. So good morning and welcome to the show. And um, please tell us about that experience and how it impacted your life. Thank you. Yes, uh, I received an Operation Christmas Child shoebox uh, in Fiji. And um, I can um, still remember, I received my shoebox when I was nine on a Monday afternoon. Monday is normally when mom um, hosts our um, children's ministry prayer meeting. And um, the, the Sunday, the day before, during our church announcement, uh, the announcement that I made was all the children that will come on that Monday afternoon when we normally have our uh, children's uh, prayer meeting, they will all receive a surprise gift. But mom told me that day before uh, on that Sunday that I was going to be the last child to receive that surprise gift. So I, when I went to school that Monday morning, I was I was praying, you know, God, please have my mom um, mention my name. I want to be part of this uh, surprise gift. I, 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 I prayed, you know, for that uh, one more uh, surprise gift to be in that uh, in that box. So I came back that uh, Monday, after, uh, Monday afternoon after school. My grandmother was living with us. I told Grandma, you know, to dress me up nicely for that um, a prayer meeting because it's something special that's going to go on uh, that afternoon at our small local church. I went to um, um, a church. I was in my... Uh, in Fiji, we wear men's skirt. I was in my Sulu, which, which we call Sulu, and I was in my Bula shirt, which is similar to what a Hawaiian shirt looks like. And um, yeah, and I, I remember I saw these brown boxes being brought in our small local church, and there were names being called out uh, to my left and to my right, and the anticipation seeing kids in my community for the first time get to own brand new quality toys was a joy itself uh, for me. Um, you know, uh, my, my friends and uh, kids from our community, as soon as they were opening their shoe boxes, the smell, the uh, toys that they have, school supplies and hygiene items coming up from those shoe boxes. While I was trying to be excited for them, um, I was waiting for my name to be called out. And then finally, for that last uh, shoebox, mom mentioned my name. Uh, and then I went up to the front and I grabbed a hold of my shoebox. Uh, in my shoebox, um, there was uh, a jump rope. There were toy cars, um, crayons and coloring books. And inside my shoebox was uh, a yo-yo. Uh, growing up in Fiji is a little bit different than growing up uh, here in America, and I've always coded uh, Romans 5.8 uh, with my yo-yo as God's demonstration of love. Uh, Paul said, you know, that God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, you know, none of us in Fiji 20 years ago deserved new toys, deserved new uh, brand new quality toys, but somebody was filled with grace, kind of like what God did. Um, you know, none of us 
deserve the love of God, but it is through Him uh, He gave us His Son, and that's His grace. Um, his Son came and died on the cross uh, instead of instead of us. So, um, yeah, it was uh, a confirmation of my faith, and as, you know, to the person that attacked my shoebox 20 years ago, uh, I knew that he or she prayed for that uh, eternal impact on the child on the ends of the earth, and that was me. Yeah, that is an amazing and just beautiful story, Zach, and why um, Operation Christmas Child truly is uh, an amazing ministry because it impacts Mm. um, children across the world and shows them the love of God um, through, you know, someone that they don't even know that could be halfway across the world that cared enough to pack a shoebox and to pray for them Mm -hmm. and send them uh, toys. And so how did that um, impact you in in terms of um, understanding God's love from the broader community of Christians Mm -hmm. across the world? Mm hmm. Yeah, um, you know, growing up in Fiji, we will, we will watch the, the Billy Graham crusade. Uh, I was a Christian before, and, you know, I've always heard uh, these three words that God loves me, you know, God loves you, and uh, the Reverend Billy Graham always say that, uh, most of his crusades. As a nine-year-old boy, uh, listening to that and hearing that God loves me uh, was not... Um, as a child, I need concrete evidence of the love of God. Um, and then, you know, when I was given that shoebox, being told that God loves me um, as a Christian in a broader sense, and as a child, um, you know, I can touch the love of God, Jenna. I can see the love of God, uh, the, the, the coloring book, you know, flipping through those pages. I can smell them. You know, that is the love of God. Somebody was um, a manifest, you know, the, the, the items that we pack in our shoeboxes, those are the manifestation of or the demonstration of God's love, you know, tangibly to children. As you mentioned, since 1993, there have been over uh, 200 million um, demonstration of God's love through those uh, gospel opportunity boxes. Uh, Christians, uh, you know, some of these gifts, um, to children that are receiving gifts for the first time, uh, like like myself, that was my very first uh, gift. Uh, that is the you know some of us that's the confirmation. Uh, I've heard uh, testimonies of some uh, that's you know that's the doorway to salvation for them. They're giving their life uh, to Christ. Uh, that is um, how God works and uh, use these simple gifts uh, to open doors, uh, open their hearts. And once children comes to know about Jesus Christ, um, their parents, you know, they they see that there's a safe space. And this, um, uh, once once children goes through their discipleship journey, they come and learn, and they too, um, uh, you know, their hearts get changed, and and you see a transformed community. Um, it's just wonderful, uh, looking back through these past thirty years, how God used a simple box, a simple toy gift um, to open the hearts of children and a transformed community. And that's just such a wonderful testimony, Zach, and how um, God can use uh, the gifts that that people are willing to send. And it may seem, um, for those of us in America who have you know grown mm. up in prosperity, frankly, and with um, with plenty <laughs> to to understand how much of an impact something like this truly does make, and it may seem like a simple thing. 
um, to listeners and, and to us, but for right. um, children like you, um, when, when you were age nine, it means the world. And it's something that mm. is, as you describe, a tangible representation of love. And I think mm. that's such a beautiful way to express that. And so for, um, for listeners who are considering participating in Operation Christmas Child this year, um, what would you encourage them to include in their shoeboxes for boys and girls that um, can perhaps best be that expression of Christ's love? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Yes, um, you know, there's, of course, three uh, different age groups. Uh, we put shoe shoeboxes for a boy and a girl. Uh, for more information on packing shoeboxes and items, what to pack and what not to pack, uh, we can um, get that information online, uh, you know, on www.samaritanspurs.org uh, forward slash OCC. Um, you can traditionally pack a shoebox. Uh, in fact, today, uh, this morning, uh, it's National Collection Week um, from November 13th to the 20th. And there are over, uh, I believe, over 4,500 drop-off locations uh, all around the nation that have, um, you know, thank, thank God for these uh, volunteers, drop-off uh, location volunteers and coordinators opening their doors uh, to collect these gospel opportunity uh, uh, shoe boxes uh, for this coming week. Uh, items that I normally pack, uh, you know, so- soccer balls with a pump, uh, flashlight for uh, older older kids and um, school supplies, crayons, coloring books, and um, you know you can include Barbie dolls for your girl shoe boxes, uh, hygiene items, and uh, school supplies as I mentioned, and a good wow item that takes um, uh, you know the the, the the bigger item in your shoe box. And uh, our president, uh, Mr. Franklin Graham, always say the the most important thing that goes in a shoe box is prayer. And I believe that. Uh, and as a recipient, uh, one thing was for sure, 20 years ago, my shoebox was being prayed for. There's no other way that, uh, you know, something that you don't, uh, you know, if you don't pray for anything, you don't see the fruit of that. Um, I've, I've seen a great multiplication with the ministry. Um, we can go to the evangelism side, disciples, discipling side. Uh, one thing was for sure that the boxes for this past 30 years in ministry. Um, it's been something um, that, you know, the engine behind this has been prayer uh, all throughout. But, uh, Jenna, yeah, those are items uh, that I recommend to pack, and uh, it's National Collection Week. And we also have an option to pack a shoebox online. Um, it's uh, BASBO, the acronym, uh, which, you know, stands for Build a Shoebox Online, where uh, from the comfort of your home or for your listeners right now, they can go online and uh, uh, build a shoebox on their own, select your gender and um, the age of the shoebox you want to pack. And it comes with the, um, at the end, you know, you can track your shoebox. Um, it's a $25 uh, suggested donation for a ba- uh, Basbo um, shoebox that you can build online. And um, yeah, and then lastly, I, I would recommend your listeners to pack a yellow yo-yo. 
<laughs> yes, and make sure that it has has a, a Romans verse on it if you can find one of those as well, because yeah. uh, that would, that would be amazing. So uh, go to SamaritansPurse.org/occ for Operation Christmas Child. And Zach, your testimony is just so amazing, and um, and I'm so filled with joy just listening to you and the impact that um, Operation Christmas Child has had on your life. And so um, you were in Fiji at age nine. How did you come to the United States and then reconnect with Operation Christmas Child after coming to the U.S.? Yes, I I love that question. Um, I moved to the United States in 2013. Um, you know, God is so faithful. God is so good. Uh, he opened doors in my life and in my family. I moved to the United States. Um, I was in the service for seven years. And uh, once I got out the Army, um, I uh, my, my wife asked me to apply for this uh, a position at a local church in Kansas to become a children and youth director uh, in uh, Clay Center, Kansas. And then now I'm, I'm uh, calling to children and youth ministry. Um, the day I was hired, uh, it was two years ago, I was hired two years ago, and then the church coordinator came to me one afternoon and I just said, you know, Zach, you know, part of your job, you become, uh, um, you know, the person for the ministry. You know, your youth group sponsors Operation Christmas Child as their mission. Now, when I was hired, I did not know that becoming a children youth director, that's what you do also. Um, I later found out that that's what you, what, what you call a project leader. <laughs> And then I just went to my office that afternoon, uh, you know, I cried and I said, God, everything came to a complete full circle. Uh, during, I, I talked to the youth group two years ago, uh, Wednesday, and I just said, you know, God, um, I told the kids, excuse me, I said, have you ever met a child on the other side of the globe that had been impacted by this ministry that all of you love to do at the end of the year? And they said no, and I, and I shared my testimony and the impact of the shoebox. You know, I am a walking, living testimony of this mission that people on this side of the shoebox love to do every year. Um, I am the, you know, the, the, I'm like the fruit, like the, uh, the, the, the seed that's been planted. Uh, that's that's uh, the churches and people that pack shoeboxes on this side. I'm one of the 209 million uh, recipients uh, for the past 30 years. So I, I shared that, and um, I think we made a Facebook post <laughs> that year. Uh, it went viral, and, um, you know, with God's grace, um, one of our national speakers um, on this side of the shoebox, uh, domestic, and, um, yeah, just working with children and youth. Uh, 2021, I think, we did uh, 117 shoeboxes, and it just kept growing from there. Uh, That's last incredible. Year, they, they did. And they did 411, yeah, Zach, and this year uh, we, we're thinking of going over that. Well, we hopefully our audience here at AFR will uh, participate in that level with you. And thank you so much for uh, sharing your testimony and the work of God in your life. Blessings to you and your family. For everyone listening, um, National Collection Week this week, go to SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. Participate in Operation Christmas Child. Thank you so much, Zach. And we'll be with you tomorrow morning right here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast 
may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. I want to thank my sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com slash AFR and sponsor an ultrasound? Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health cost sharing ministry, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Visit chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR.